It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Thunder, your daily Oklahoma City Thunder podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Game 4 edition of the Locked On Thunder podcast. I am your host, Eric G., very graciously and humbly thanking you for making me a part of your day. There's so much to get to in this episode. We've got to talk about Russell Westbrook and what he's going to do to shut down Ricky Rubio And why tonight you can bet yourself a whole lot of money that we're going to see angry Russ. And it's really not the best thing for the Oklahoma City Thunder. Also in segment number one, Corey Brewer emphasized the word over and over again when talking about what the Thunder needed to do to stop the Utah Jazz. We'll play that audio for you and tell you why the Thunder didn't do what he was talking about and see if there's any way to correct that. Plus, Billy Donovan will touch on the challenges of coaching in a series versus coaching in the regular season and just seeing a team four times a year at different points in the season. In segment number two, yes, there were some positives. There were some big-time positives. In game three, we'll... Get to that, and we'll hear from Steven Adams and talk about his struggles with staying out of foul trouble and if there's anything Steven Adams can do to correct it this series or whether or not it's somewhat of a lost cause. And in segment number three, we'll hear from Carmelo Anthony, and he'll tell us why he's a better person now or why New York changed him for the better. We'll hear a funny moment from Steven Adams during his last media availability here in Oklahoma City and a book that LeBron James is writing, Russ needs to take a few pages out of. And how Russ needs to sort of emulate the king here in the next few years of his career. It's all right here on the Locked on Thunder podcast. My name is Eric G. I did radio in Oklahoma City here for a few years, hosting a lot of Thunder post games, doing the occasional pre-games. I am a credentialed member of the media. The folks at Locked on Sports like me to say that. That allows me into the locker room before and after the game. It also allows me to go to shoot around and practice and bring you video that you see on the LockedOnThunder.com website. And I also work for another publication called Thunder Digest. And I do a podcast there called The G League. You can find that on iTunes. And I promise at some point here in the next few weeks, we'll actually crank out another episode of that. But uh, Locked On keeps me pretty busy. And I know those guys are pretty busy as well. But shout out to Chuck Cheney. Big shout out to you. If you like what you hear, go to LockedOnThunder.com. We've got all our podcast archive plus video from the coaches and the players during the shoot-around, the practice, and after the game. It's LockedOnThunder.com, your one-stop shop for everything Oklahoma City Thunder. Segment number one now, Russell Westbrook. His ego's hurt, to say the least. His ego is not just hurt. It got smashed by Ricky Rubio on Saturday night with Ricky Rubio recording just the third triple-double in playoff history. You know that didn't sit well with Russ. And when Fred Katz asked him about it and Russ said, nah, I gotta shut that bleep down. 
that was less about Russ needing to play good defense for Ricky Rubio and more about, yeah, coming up in game four, I got to show this guy up. I got to reclaim my title as Mr. Triple-Double. The other thing that's probably eating at Russell Westbrook and, and has been since the end of that game is he was just one assist away from getting a triple-double and, and sharing the spotlight with Ricky Rubio in that concern. We were really focused on Russ not having a good defensive night, and the shooting percentage was horrific against the Utah Jazz in Game 3. And now this leads to simply this. Russell Westbrook is going to play angry tonight, and that's not the best thing for the Oklahoma City Thunder because, believe it or not, with all the, the bad things that Russ did, and with the Thunder getting just mauled in the second and the third quarter, Carmelo Anthony and Paul George did what they were paid to do by the Oklahoma City Thunder. The whole reason they were brought in was to make this not only a more cohesive unit, but a superstar unit that you couldn't deal with on a night-to-night basis. And they were built for the playoffs. Well, Carmelo Anthony and Paul George played up to their potential. And Russ must keep them involved in the offense even when Carmelo Anthony misses a shot you got to go back to this guy because throughout his career he's been really reliable especially in the clutch how many times have we said this and and Paul George has shown the playoff P can be here and knock down big shots as well if Russ decides he's going to go into takeover mode that just simply plays into the Utah Jazz's hands if he's freezing out his teammates it's going to cause a lot of It's going to cause a lot of irritation. And I don't care how many times Paul George and Carmelo Anthony say, hey, you know, we just want to win a game. And if Russ takes over, Russ takes over. That's all fine and well to say to us. But when you've been the face of the organization like those two have for the for the better part of their career, even if you're if you're going to take this role of not being the face of the organization, you want to have some hand in the Thunder advancing to the second round. You want to be recognized as one of the guys as to why they either got to the conference semifinals or even further than that. And if you're not, that's when you start to see guys maybe not so much chirp at each other, but behind closed doors and to their confidence or confidants saying, I can't play with this guy. So as much as Russ may want to be that guy, then... He needs to take a step back. He needs to chill because you know that this has been eating at Russell Westbrook for the last couple of days. The other thing the Thunder need to do is, well, they got to play better defense overall. And there's a certain word, a certain mentality that they have to take to get better on defense. And Corey Brewer used that word over and over again the last time he spoke to the Oklahoma City media. Yeah, we want to press up more, you know, a bit more aggressive defensively. Um, got to make it tougher. I mean, they got a lot of easy shots, um, a lot of wide open shots. So for us, gotta, we got to be better. Has this been a particularly physical series, specifically on the perimeter? Um, it's been physical. It's playoff basketball. You know, once playoff starts, it gets more physical. It's the way it's supposed to be. Why, why is that? Like, why why is it more physical in the playoffs? Everybody says that, but what's the reason? Um, I think it's more intense. You know, every game counts. You know, if you lose, you go home. So everybody's trying to win. You know, it's like the, the whole game. What's What's the smart way to play that? Because obviously, there's a line you have to tell. You don't want to, you know, get yourself in foul trouble, get guys in the bonus. So what's What's the line that you have to tell them? Wanting to be physical there, but and disrupt them, but not um, not be too much. You got to see what the refs are calling. You know, if the refs are letting you be more physical. You be more physical. If the refs are calling. You got to back up a little bit. So kind of refs kind of dictate the game. How, how difficult is it to know the 
the refereeing can be inconsistent from, from game to game, and you have to adjust to that. It's the NBA, you know, all refs are different, so you just got to go out there and play basketball, and when the game, the game's going to tell you what to do. Corey, you talk about being more aggressive and pressing up on them. Does it apply with you specifically with Donovan Mitchell as well? Yeah, of course. You know, last game I tried to push up on him, make it tough, you know, but he got to go in the fourth quarter, you know, that's what good players do. What did he do specifically to, to get going? I think it was even toward the end of the third quarter where he started to get a little bit of a rhythm. Uh, he's just been aggressive, you know, he's getting to the basket. You can't let him get to the basket. you got to be up more. There it is, the A word. I lost count of how many times Corey Brewer said that in that particular 90-second or whatever it was, two-minute soundbite, but the Thunder weren't aggressive against the Utah Jazz, and one of the reasons they weren't is because they, the Thunder, were sending the Jazz to the foul line and did it 27 times throughout the course of the game, or the Jazz took 27 foul shots throughout the course of the game. That's not the ref's fault. That's the Thunder's fault. And I said it on Twitter, and I think a lot of people thought I was being a homer on Saturday night, that you're not going to play aggressively on defense if you're continued, if you continue to worry about getting foul calls. And because that mentally takes you out of your game, you feel like you have to play tentative, and then teams go and take advantage of that, which is exactly what the Utah Jazz should have done on Saturday night. And it's exactly what they did do. That's not a ref problem. That's a thunder problem. That's you having to look on film and figure out how to defend a little bit better without making unnecessary contact. I don't know how the thunder correct that. There are guys that drop the X's and O's a a lot better than me, and that's a better question for Billy Donovan than I can give you an answer on. But I'm not going to sit here and throw the blame at the refs when that's something that the thunder can correct before the end of this series or desperately need to correct before the end of this series. And speaking of a series, there's a whole lot different than coaching during the regular season. And Billy Donovan was asked about what the major differences are between playing a team so many times in a row, so possibly seven times in a row, versus playing them throughout the season and just getting them four times in a year during different parts of the schedule. Well, the, 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 there's there's familiarity, obviously. Um, you know, it was a little bit of a different playoff series to start because we finished four games with them in you know December 23rd. You know, so we've played two games in you know what it's been five days or so. Um, as the series goes on, I think teams get more and more familiar with the calls, um, and then you're dealing with adjustment or changes and those kind of things. You try to you know anticipate you know what they may be thinking about doing. You know, what were some things that were positive for us that that uh, you know we feel like we can continue to work at. Um, of those things that are positive, what could potentially be things that may try to change, um, vice versa. You know, where, where did we get hurt? You know, what are some things that we can do um, to, to avoid that or take that away? Um, but a lot of times in these situations, because the teams are so well scouted, a lot of times these games come down to rebounding, comes down to the free throw line, and it comes down to turnovers. It comes down to loose balls, 50-50 balls. You know, it's a lot of times the little things um, because, you know, at times, I mean, perfect example, like, you know, in game one, you know, Paul George made some really, really hard shots. And, um, you know, I thought in game two, Donovan Mitchell made some really, really hard shots, especially in his drives to the basket and his floaters and those kind of things. So that's what players do. Sometimes there's really not a lot you can do about that. But when the shot goes up on the glass, your ability to rebound, you know, your ability to get back in transition, I think focusing on the things that are controllable um, that you know you have to do better that are going to be important in the series. The other thing this does is it also takes out the element of surprise. I mean, you know each other... Night, you know each other really well 
by this part in this series. And we gave a lot of credit to Quinn Snyder for going out and making adjustments against Oklahoma City on Game 2. And the Thunder not... And when criticizing the Thunder for not making adjustments in Game 3, I really don't know how adjustments... I don't know how many adjustments coaches are really making. Sometimes I think it just simply comes down to effort and a lot of what Billy's talking about. You do the little things. You rebound. You don't turn the ball over. And you just got to make your shots. Sometimes you need a lot of luck. Here's Donovan on the element of surprise or lack thereof. Um... Yeah, I mean, a lot of times, it, it, a lot of times, it's like subtle things that maybe the person that's not breaking down film after film after film maybe maybe sees. Um, but you know, you're always trying to tweak things going from game to game to try to get better at. You know, even though we won game one, there were still things that we were trying to do um, that we felt like would help us. You know, in game two. Um, you know, like one of the areas, you know, transition. Like we were really, really, I didn't think did a very good job in transition in the first game. You were better in the second game. Uh, but you're always fighting for inches. I mean, you're always fighting for inches uh, on, on every possession, um, going into the next game. You know, where, where, where can we, you know, maybe, you know, find a way to, to get a few extra more stops, you know, a few extra points to the free throw line. I think you're always, you're always fighting for that. And then that's the adjustment piece with how do you try to find those inches, you know, and you're constantly looking at the, for those things. That, that being said, when do you have to determine whether you have to do something better or differently? Yeah, I mean, that's a great question because there was things that I thought in the game, in game two, that we um, need to do better. It's not necessarily an adjustment. You have to look at it. I think when you see a, a player out there that's given full maximum effort and you see a player doing everything he possibly can, and it's not working. I feel like it's the responsibility of a coach to sit there and say, "Okay, we got to do something a little bit different. This is not working at that point in time." Um, but then there's situations where, okay, um, you know, we've got to do a better job. There's no way of getting around it. A perfect example would be transition defense. Like, there's no getting around that. We have to run back. There was times in game one we didn't do a really good job of getting out of the corners fast enough, early enough, and quick enough, and we paid a price for it on the other end of the floor. Um, I thought our turnovers at times um, led to their, their transition points. Like those are things that you've got to do better with. We've got to do better at those things. And then there are certain situations where, you know, you, you, you say, okay, we got, we got to adjust. we got to make an adjustment here, you know, offensively um, to do different things to try to, you know, free up a player offensively or do things how they're defending or how the floor is spaced or where they're providing help from. And then you, tr- you don't want to get to, a play, I think, a place where, um, as a coach, you're overloading the players where they're losing sight on the things that they have to do. We have to get back in transition. Every NBA team's got the guard pick and roll. You're going to have to block out. You're going to have to generate good shots. You got to take there's certain things that are just must for every team in every game. But those other things, you want to make sure that you present those to the guys that are going to make a difference and not overload them with so much stuff that they forget to focus on the things that are really the main thing. This is the Locked On Thunder Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am your host, Eric G. And coming up in segment number two, there were some positives. There were some positives that happened against the Utah Jazz. What were those positives? We'll tell you about that next on Locked On Thunder. Hey guys, it's Walker Mail, host of the Locked On Hornets podcast, and being around sports media and a fan of the Hornets for a lifetime has taught me that sometimes it's exploring the sliding doors moments and what-if scenarios in sports that can be the best part of the fan experience. What if the Seahawks let Marshawn run on the one-yard line with the Super Bowl on the line? Or could a coin flip actually have landed Magic in Chicago, Michael in L.A., and made Charles Barkley the first black president? 
Enter Wondery's newest sports show, Alternate Routes, a weekly leap into the sports multiverse with former Sports Center anchors Trey Wingo and Kevin Frazier. Each week on the podcast, Trey and Kevin will pry open the sliding doors of a different what if moment from the world of sports. In these alternate sports realities, dynasties will fall, legacies will change forever, new goats will emerge. Follow alternate routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcast. You can listen to alternate routes early and ad free right now by joining Wondery Plus. I'd like to take this time to thank all the business owners who have become a part of the Locked On Podcast Network and joined in what is a fun product to not only be a part of, but also is a great way to advertise your business, not just locally, not just to the fans of any one particular team, but getting your message out to all over the world. Because people who tune into the Locked On Podcast Network or subscribe to the Locked On Podcast Network, don't just listen to Locked On Thunder. They go listen to all the podcasts we have for NBA, for NFL, and for Major League Baseball. Some podcasts worth listening to right now, I would think, would be Locked On A's after their no-hitter they threw against the Boston Red Sox on Saturday. And I also think the Locked On Bucks podcast is definitely worth checking out. They do really good work on Locked On Bucks, and that is our pot of the day. You want to be a part of this. This is something that can not only help your business grow but also get you in touch with all sorts of people around the world. Not just potential clients, but possibly potential business partners. All you have to do is email us at the Locked On Podcast Network at gmail.com. That's the Locked On Podcast Network at gmail.com and find out about our very reasonable rates. The Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Segment number two now of the Locked on Thunder podcast. Believe it or not, there were some positive things that happened for Oklahoma City against the Utah Jazz in Game 3. And the only reason I bring this up is because everybody that I talked to on Twitter, and I think the majority of us felt that the Thunder were being completely outworked by the Utah Jazz. But the numbers don't necessarily... Bear that out. First playoff P. We said he had a good night. He was 7 of 16 at 23 points. Did that in 40 minutes of play. Um, Yeah, I would like his three-point shooting to be a little bit better. Just 3 of 8. But Carmelo Anthony, 14 points in 31 minutes. 6 of 10 from the floor. 2 of 4 from beyond the arc. He's doing what? He's doing both of those guys. Doing what they're paid to do. And if Russ doesn't play hero ball tonight, they can be major factors in the Thunder moving forward. The three-point shooting overall was fantastic. They were 50% from the floor, Oklahoma City was, and it seems like the three-point shooting's been a lot better this series than it has during the regular season. Points in the paint. Utah has been destroying Oklahoma City in that statistical category, scoring 100 points in the first two games. The Thunder cut that down to 10, still got outscored 40-36 to in the paint, but it improved But unfortunately, on the boards, Oklahoma City still getting killed. They were out-rebounded by 15. Utah getting 13 offensive rebounds. It was 48-33, in case you're interested in what the rebounding was between, or the rebounding disparity. Disparity? Yeah, am I using that word right? Between Oklahoma City and Utah. And the other major issue was Steven Adams not being able to stay out of foul trouble. And I don't think Steven Adams has picked up a single cheap foul in this series. They've all been earned. In fact, I think we went back and we watched most of these games 
there are probably very few cheap fouls that Oklahoma City has picked up in this series and picked up on Saturday night. In fact, I had a bigger problem with Bradley Beal getting his sixth foul of the game in the Wizards' win over the Toronto Raptors last night because, if anything, it looked like Beal flopped. And maybe that's why he picked up his sixth foul. But I don't think Steven Adams, I don't think he's had a single foul that I could look back and say, nah, man, maybe that should have been called. They've all pretty much been earned. Steven Adams, after the game, game two, talked about adjusting to the refs. Uh, I, would, I would say so, because, uh, I mean, they have nothing to do with your game plan, really. Um, main thing is just their biggest adjustment is just um, understanding what they're trying to call and maybe get there earlier. Um, you know, if there's a lot of contact on a play or whatever because you're late, that's different. So the adjustment would be get there earlier. So I want to say it's like crazy adjustments like that. They have nothing to do with your game play and they don't have influence like that. You just have to make the adjustment off like, okay, I better get there earlier or shut this off like this or play it with my heart, arms up or whatever it is like that. You know, so very small amount. Stephen, that um, kind of piggyback up what Nick said, you know, conversation you're having with the officials. Is, yeah. that, is, that, is that what's going on at the end of the game where you go back to the officials and trying to get a, a better understanding of those calls at the end of the game? Yeah, just trying to, yeah, just trying to understand me. Um, you know, because I, I mean, I'm not, I'm not a fan of flopping, you know, but I, that's, I forget I said that, honestly. But like, <laughs> it's weird, you know, just like, it's, I'm just trying to understand what I could do in order to not get those fouls. Because um, I mean, I understand that I will be in a tough bind and I'm trying my thinking is like I'm letting him have this particular thing. Um, yeah, but again, it's it's different from when I'm when I'm doing it to when I see it. I haven't seen Phil. More than likely, it was probably a foul. But I'm just trying to not make those same fouls. I mean, just so I can stay in the game. But what advice did they give you when, huh? you when you talk to them about not making those fouls? What did they tell you to do or not uh, to I do? I think it's just between me and the old mate. <laughs> you know, get that one classified enough. So. Another thing that Steven Adams was asked prior to this game is how much do you try and get yourself schooled up on schooled up on the refs so you understand their habits and you know that that this guy can call a particular foul this way or this guy can call it a another particular way and I and I liken it to this and I'll do it again sort of like a pitcher Knowing an umpire, where is the strike zone? Is he going to give me that outside pitch, or am I going to? I'm going to have to bring things inside, and if I do, I know I'm going to be in trouble on certain batters. So this is what I'm going to have to do tonight in order to make that strike zone work for me. Stephen Adams was asked about that. This was his response. Yeah, it's it's hard to it's hard to kind of say like what particular like specific calls you're going to get. I don't think it's that. I think it's just more. Kind of like the feel, and uh, like say it's it's postseason now, it's playoffs, so it's just like oh yeah, they're gonna let us bump a little bit. Does that make sense? So like it's just you know the stuff that the little ticky tack stuff they usually get. Um, I don't think you'll get in um, postseason. That's just from me. From them, it's probably completely different. Um, but that's just sorry, mate. Yeah, but that's just from me, my perspective. Talking to the refs isn't working. You said you don't really watch them on film or getting a scouting report of them, but. He's going to have to change something about his game, which is very unfortunate because a good Steven Adams is an aggressive, physical Steven Adams. And the only way that the Thunder are going to win this series is if they remain aggressive. 
against the Utah Jazz. They're going to have to out-physical them. They're going to have to make the Jazz not want to go inside. They're going to have to be tougher. They're going to have to fight harder for loose balls. They're going to have to... The boards, the Thunder have got to figure out a way to win the battle on the boards and win the battle in the paint. And it feels like in these last two games, the Thunder have just made way too many concessions for for the Jazz. They've been willing to give them certain things, and that's not going to get it done. And if you're Billy Donovan, you know he's going over every inch of this when, when he's breaking these guys down in film, and he's he's telling them, you got to get better in these areas, you've got to do this better. It's just simply a matter of the Thunder winning. It, it, it's that simple. And tonight is a must-win for Oklahoma City. There, there really isn't... I, I don't think there there's any other way to look at it because... If the Thunder go down three games to one, and even if they were able to come back to Oklahoma City and get another win against Utah, mentally, I just think this team has been through too much this year, and it hasn't gone anything like not only we thought, but like they thought. It hasn't been cohesive. It hasn't been consistent. That There's just going to be too much of a tendency for this team, even though they're professionals, to sort of say that's just it, that's just who we are, and it's and it's not working. Let's get back to the drawing board. And if that happens, then I know that there's going to be a lot of people that want Billy Donovan out. I don't think that's going to happen because he and Sam Presti are just too tight. And then becomes the question of Paul George. And remember what Paul George said. Paul George said that playoff success wasn't a prerequisite for him to stay here. He also didn't say that just because the Thunder went far in the playoffs, he'd be more willing to stay here. All if you, all of Paul George, his decision will be based on a couple of simple things. One, he'll probably sort of tell the late, he'll probably straight up, not sort of, but tell the Lakers, you do what you have to do. If I like what you do, then I'll come join you. And the Lakers will fire back with, well, we kind of need you to, to sit all the dominoes in order. There's that. Also, does Paul George think he can win a championship someplace else? And I'll hold to this. It serves Paul George better to sign a one-and-one with Oklahoma City, hang out here another year, and then see how free agency develops. And if Paul George hangs out here another year and the Thunder do good, who knows what happens? Maybe he is more likely to stay here the rest of his career. And with that, we'll get into segment number three next on the Locked On Thunder podcast. And I'll tell you the one thing, the one thing that Russell Westbrook needs to lift from LeBron James in order to make the Oklahoma City Thunder a better team. This is Jake from Locked On. Locked On has teamed up with State Farm to spotlight some of the greatest supporting players in NBA history. After beating the Heat led by LeBron James and Dwayne Wade in 2011, Dirk Nowitzki won an NBA title and proved himself to be one of the greatest basketball players of all time. But there was one player in the starting lineup for the last three games of the finals that helped support Dirk all the way to a championship, J.J. Barea. Led by J.J. and Jason Terry, the Mavs' second unit proved to be the strength throughout the playoffs, where they led the NBA in bench scoring. But for games 4, 5, and 6 in the NBA Finals, Mavs coach Rick Carlisle inserted Barea into the starting five to help the Mavs space the floor and put more playmaking around Dirk. J.J. Barea had a knack for running the pick-and-roll with Dirk that helped the Mavs score more efficiently on their run to a title. Dirk Nowitzki couldn't score the way he did if he didn't have much-needed support from someone like J.J. Barea. 
Sometimes you and I need that kind of support too. Think of State Farm like a pivotal team player. When you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember the jingle and just say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. If you like sports and you are a sports junkie, then hop on to LockedOnSports.com. It's full, chock full of coverage of Major League Baseball, the NFL, and of course the NBA. Keep up with all the playoff series with great podcasts like Locked On Warriors, Locked On Spurs, Locked On Raptors, Locked On Rockets. It's all there. Plus, there's Locked On Draft for NFL draft coverage, which is right around the corner and Say you're a Major League Baseball fan. The Houston Astros are starting to heat up. The Boston Red Sox, despite losing two to the A's, still one of the best teams in Major League Baseball, if not the best. Check out the podcast and the articles written on those teams. It's all right there at LockedOnSports.com, the Locked On Sports Network, the Locked On Podcasting Network, your team every day. Segment number three here on the Locked On Thunder podcast. I'm Eric G., your host. LeBron James takes so much crap from people and always has ever since he did the decision which when you look back on it really wasn't a bad thing because he the decision made a lot of money for a lot of people for charitable organizations not just LeBron James in fact I don't think LeBron profited off that at all and sort of I feel like the hate for LeBron James is very unwarranted like I get why people here in Oklahoma City wouldn't like Kevin Durant but everybody else in the world was like ah. Eh. He made a decision for himself. Truthfully, Kevin Durant's not a bad guy, and LeBron James certainly isn't. And Russell Westbrook can learn from LeBron James. LeBron James bought his teammates suits so they could all look good and they could look like a unit as they walked in to the buildings that they were playing in. Yeah, I get it. I, I hear all the I hear all the jokes about unit coming now. Yeah, I should have thought about that a little bit more before I said it. But this is the kind of thing that Russ needs to do. Russ needs to show that he is a team player. Now, granted, if Russ was going to outfit his team, they wouldn't be suits. It would be tailored to the individual and it would be it would be an extremely fashionista moment. But this is what we talk about Russ. I don't think Russ is a bad teammate. But I do think there's sometimes that that Russ feels like he puts too much on his shoulders and leaves other people out, and that is to his detriment. It's not a bad thing. It's just the way that this guy operates, and sometimes those stripes are very hard to change. But, hey, Russ, look, you're, you're a fashion guru. Outfit these guys. Tell them what they need to wear before. And, and if you're doing that, I'm certain, I'm certain, 100% positive, that endears you to more of the guys around you and certainly would endear you more to some of these people in the national media who criticize you when you really don't deserve it. Carmelo Anthony is a much different individual than I thought he was going to be coming to Oklahoma City. And I've said it a million times, he's my favorite player on this team, he and Raymond Felton. And a lot of it is is because of what they do in, in the media scrums. And for me, it, it's hard not to root for Carmelo Anthony. I just want to see this guy be good because he is such a good guy. I would have liked to have known him before his time in New York, especially when you hear his answer to this question that Fred Katz said. Or asked. Uh, I think New York changed me a little bit for the, for the better. Uh, just the way that I'm kind of just able to keep things in perspective and understand what's important and what's not important you know now it's it's, it's all about kind of just you know understanding the situation that we're in and 
You know, in, in playoffs in these type of situations, when you win one, you lose one. You know, I, I've seen times where people just panic and start overthinking and, and things like that. And you know, when I go back and look at the game and recap and watch the film, it's uh, like you know, Utah did a great job in game two, but I think we beat ourselves by not doing the small things. So, uh, me knowing that, I think I'm, I'm able to just you know relax and be at peace with kind of what's what happened because I, I know I can control that and we can control that. You know, maybe we get somebody from Locked On Nuggets here in the next uh, couple of weeks and, and discuss the changes that have been made in Carmelo Anthony. Maybe once the season has wrapped up, we can delve into that a little bit more. But I will just tell you that the, my dealings with Carmelo Anthony have been nothing but pleasant. And I know he doesn't want to talk to the media all the time because there's been stuff like, ah, no media Monday or no media Friday. But when he gives us his time, he's gracious, he answers every question, and there's something bigger for this guy. This this guy has done a lot. He's not only, everything that Carmelo Anthony does, there's a there's a, just a ton of thought put into it. And, and I can see this guy going on to make to, to do some really big things once his time is done off the court. Finally, another guy that's great to talk to. Um, on a much different level, and that's Stephen Adams, because there's always something funny that Stephen Adams will say in a media session, and he's just got, there's this vibe about Stephen Adams that's just very different from probably not only people here in Oklahoma City, but um, really people all over the world and in the NBA. Stephen Adams is just kind of like his own thing, and uh, here is Stephen Adams wrapping up a media session last week. Stephen, how's your hand? Rest, how are you help wise? I'm fine. Guys, I'm fine. <laughs> you know, I'm fine. I'm good. Did you, you play? Yeah, I'm playing fine. I'm different, but you see Rudy Gobert's shoes the other night by any chance? The uh, no. I think they were I think it was One Piece, the the anime show. Oh good on them. I hate them though, but whatever. I like one piece. Steven, I like your man bun better, though. Thank you. I actually had to look up that anime cartoon. like, And I consider myself a geek because I've got a Batman tattoo and I absolutely love comic book movies and, and comic books. And I, I'm a music nerd. Like, I really get into all this stuff. I had no idea what this one was. I had to, like, delve into it. Probably because I'm not an anime fan. But I think I'm now questioning my nerddom because I didn't know what Fred Katz and Stephen Adams were talking about there. But that wraps up today's Locked on Thunder podcast. Real quick, three keys to the game tonight. Russ, don't play hero ball. Two, figure out a way not to foul. And three, remain aggressive on defense, even if you are fouling as much as you don't want to, because that's the only way you're going to slow down the Jazz. Oh, and four, don't let somebody beca- don't let somebody else unexpectedly become a Thunder killer tonight. Like, say, Joe Ingles. All right, just throwing it out there. Locked on Thunder podcast, part of the Locked on Network, your team every day. Remember, like Jackie Moon said, ELE, peace, love, and Thunder Up. You are Locked on Thunder, your daily Oklahoma City Thunder podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked on Podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.